0: CDSFA Community Football Podcast. Hello, I'm Gilbert Orkay, and welcome to episode 27 of the CDSFA Community Football Podcast. Today, we speak with the Mayor of Inner West Council, Councillor Darcy Byrne. Darcy grew up in Balmain and is a lifelong resident and footballer of the Inner West. He started his junior footballing journey with Balmain Police Boys Football Club and went on to play with Arpia Leichhardt Tigers, Canterbury Reps and Sydney Olympic in the National Youth League. Darcy was first elected to Leichhardt Council in 2008 and served as mayor from 2012 to 2014. He was re-elected to the position in September 2015, and with the forced council amalgamations in May 2016, became the last mayor of Leichhardt Council. In 2017, Darcy was elected as the inaugural mayor of Inner West Council. Darcy's goal is to make the Inner West the best local government in Australia and a national leader in environmental policy, arts and culture, and community infrastructure. Since being elected Mayor of Inner West Council, Darcy has been getting some outstanding results, especially for community football, including an upgrade of waterfront drive, sporting fields in Callum Park, and funding for the synthetic sports surface construction at Tempe Reserve and Lycan Oval, number two. Darcy is not only a passionate local mayor, he's also a very passionate community football advocate. I hope you enjoy the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Darcy, for joining us on the uh, City Safe Community Football Podcast.
1: Absolute pleasure to be
0: here. Right. Darcy, you've uh, had a great, uh, I think, upbringing in the area. Do you want to tell us uh, where you started I guess started to be involved in football?
1: Well, I, I played for the forerunner to Balmain District Football Club, which was the Balmain Police Boys Club, right. um, as a small kid and went on to play for Leichhardt Tigers Apia. Uh, Canterbury reps, and then Sydney Olympic in the National Youth League. So it's many many years now since I've laced up the boots, but I spent a lot of time playing football when I was a kid.
0: Yeah. Were there other sports that you were interested in at the time? Yeah, my parents were
1: very committed to getting me involved in in every different kind of sport. Right. Uh, I was a pretty hyperactive kid, so (laughs) maybe that was just about getting my energy out. Yeah. So I I played all all different sports and ended up focusing on football as yeah. I yeah, moved into sort of representative ranks as a, as a teenager. Yeah,
0: How did you – I mean, that's amazing. The representative at the time. Tell us, because a lot of kids now, they, they, they're asking, okay, what are the different pathways, there's different programs like SAP programs or academies. Just give us an insight back then, especially in the inner west of Sydney. If you're a good player, you wanted to, you know – Get involved and really try to test yourself. What was a pathway back then?
1: The Canterbury reps was yeah. really the big thing. If you're able to get into that side, then um, that that led that meant that you had a pathway into elite football yeah. as a teenager. Yeah. The other thing that is very different now is it, it was much more ethnically um, segregated mm, back then. Mm, so mm. It, when I was coming through playing yeah. playing soccer. Apia were Italian. Sydney Croatia were Croatian. That's right. Yeah. Um. You know, Bonnyrigg were um were Maltese. Yep. And I think one of the benefits of the of the A League has mm. been the way that that has been broken down, and you've got broad community support for teams based on geography. But yep. that was a very noticeable part of of the football scene back then.
0: Well, fantastic. What was your earliest recollection of playing?
1: Uh, probably down in Callum Park, on, good on, old Callum, yeah, Ooh. On, a, on a Saturday morning at the fields that we've yeah. now um, turned into a state of the art facility. Now tell us
0: what was the quality of the field back then?
1: Oh, shocking! <laughs> it was just it was just a cow paddock. Yeah, but you know, back then yeah. we we played in the mud. Yeah, It was very rare for football to be cancelled because of rain. Yeah, As a result, the fields were probably in much worse condition, but that yeah. was just how things were done then, and I think we all enjoyed it.
0: Fantastic. And you went, obviously, you grew up in Balmain, I think you mentioned, and uh, the school, local school as well.
1: Yeah, Balmain Public and Balmain High. Yeah. And uh, I still see lots of people from both of those schools That's down great. at the football no. grounds on the weekend. Fantastic. What position did you play? I was a stopper, so oh. I, I, I'd play at oh. the back. My, my old man, right. who was a, a rugby league uh, rugby league aficionado. Yeah, um, he said that he liked the way I played because I used to knock people over. So mm. I was always pretty tall and rangy. Yeah, um, and yeah, spent almost all of my um, football career playing at the back.
0: Right. Who introduced you to football? Is someone in the family or a friend or.
1: Not sure, because my mum and dad certainly would have been more into rugby league, league yeah. um, than soccer. But I think, like a lot of people still today, yeah. because football is such a great sport for kids' development yeah. and learning all the basic skills and physical coordination, yeah. that's, um, that's where they, they started me and, and, um, and I stuck with it. Fantastic.
0: Do you remember, I mean, this is obviously the time before the internet, I'm sure, um, what was your favourite team or when were you watching football?
1: Well, I remember that you used to come home from playing on a Saturday, and I think it was the ABC yeah. would have the highlights package of what was then the English the English First, league. first yeah, Division, sure before the Premier right, League. Right, and I was a Liverpool fan. As Liverpool, okay, <laughs> another one. They're all coming out this year. L- lots of people. Yeah, were. Are you excited? A couple of games to go. Surely they're going to wrap it up. I don't follow it as closely <laughs> as I used to, but right. I did think when they were so far in front, and <laughs> yeah. then we went into the lockdown that. Yeah. I knew a lot of people would be quite heartbroken if they weren't actually going to get a yeah, premiership guess, out right. of it. So yeah, it's yeah. good that that's that's, that's going to happen. Yeah.
0: Do you remember any footballers that made you fall in love with the game, whether it be locally or internationally back then?
1: Well, when I was coming through at Sydney Olympic, we oh, had a yeah. fair bit of interaction with the first team. Yeah, so there'd be a whole range of players that probably people wouldn't remember no. now, but yeah. played in the NSL. There's a bloke named Nick Meredith. Yeah, of course I remember Nick played. Yeah. I think at left back. He, he was he was, great. he was a hard bastard. And he was a bit of a cult figure yeah. at Sydney Olympic. And at yeah. that time they played their NSL games at Leichhardt Oval with yeah. huge crowds. Yeah. Um, there'd be, you know, 10,000 plus, yeah. often on a Sunday night with yeah. flares and sovlakia. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so I, I looked up to players like him because yeah. to, to, to have that direct contact as a kid where you're seeing players who are playing professionally, Yeah. what, a, what an amazing learning experience. Amazing, amazing. How far did you think you could go back
0: then? I mean, when you think about it, you think, okay, I'm going to stick it out here or actually I'll see a
1: career in this? There was one player in in my team at Sydney Olympic who was obviously better than everybody else named Nick Nick Carl. Nick Carl. Nick Nick um, Carl, yeah. He was just – he was such a skillful player from yeah. from a very young age. Yeah. I think we recruited him across from Blacktown City mm. and he was playing he was playing first grade when we were still in the under 15s or 16s. Well, yeah. And I know he went on to have a, a successful career. Sure. Uh, Mark Burns was in the in the team the year below me right. at Sydney Olympic obviously went on to. I think he might have captained the the under twenties. Yeah, soccer, you're the, right. The yeah. um, Australian under twenties yeah. and played in Germany. Earth glory so, as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's sure. a an Andrew Andrew Durante. Durante, yeah, Durante. Yeah. yeah. So there are a whole lot of players there who um, who went on to play professional football. Yeah. I had a sort of different perspective. My parents always emphasised the fact that. Um, your education and the other components of your life were going to be much more sure. important right. uh, than 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 sport. Sure, and in truth, statistically, the number of kids who are coming through the system who go on to be international superstars is mm. is tiny. Right. So I think it is an important message. Yeah, to get across to get kids the
0: and balance right. Yep,
1: sports really important. But get the and,
0: education,
1: but it's not more important than the rest of your life. Yeah.
0: What was your greatest football moment as a player?
1: Well, we won the uh, we won the. The Super Youth League Under Fourteens Championship, right? Um, in what nineteen ninety four or nineteen ninety five mm. uh, against uh, Marconi, right? Uh, and that was that was a pretty big deal at the mm. time. Uh, mm. It was the New South Wales Championship, yeah. But then also getting to go on and play in what was essentially reserve grade of, yep. the, of the NSL. Yep. I, I remember making it my debut on um on Lang Park, Lang Park <laughs> against the Brisbane. I guess it was wow. Brisbane Raw then? Yeah, it was yeah, the sure. Brisbane team. Sure. Strikers maybe. Yeah. yeah. We got smashed, like four or five nil. But right. having grown up watching State of Origin yeah, to, to run huge, out on yeah. Lang Park how in front that. of, you know, 10,000 people was quite a buzz. Yeah, fantastic.
0: Uh, tell us about uh, your recent uh, terrific involvement with local, now community football especially, facilities. And obviously within that I should have probably asked you first, how did you become a mayor? It uh, was a the journey there because I know you before Inner West Council. You, you were part of the old Leichhardt Council
1: as well. Yeah, my yeah. my family have always been political and very yeah. heavily engaged in the local community. Yeah, so I was a member of the Labor Party for a long time from when I was um, quite young. Right, and uh, an opportunity ca- came about to yeah. to run for council in the right. in the ward in which I'd always lived. Who inspired you back then I mean, to get involved in politics? Do you remember? Um, oh, was that's a, that's a good question. I mean, yeah. I grew up in a very poli- oh, political household, so people like Gough Whitlam and Paul mm. Keating and Bob Hawke were mm-hmm. were all heroes. Yeah, sure. Um, in our family, mm. and but most of all, I'd I've grown up in a tradition where it was important to get involved in your lo- own local community. Yeah, and so being on the council is one really useful way to do that. And one of the things I like about it, as opposed to state or federal politics yeah. and and those parliaments, is it, at its best, local government's a lot less adversarial. Mm. It's more like a, a, a board of local community members yes. who's been elected to look after the community's resources, yeah. and it gives you a lot of opportunity. Getting your hands dirty. Yeah, yeah, and to get heavily involved in things like community sport.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so with your involvement with the local community football, how did you – I'm assuming that would have been one of the first things you were exposed to as a – as a um, as a mayor or even involved in politics, local politics?
1: It became obvious to me immediately after being elected that yep. there was – even then, With this is in 2008, there was yeah. a severe shortage of sporting facilities. Yeah. So we had this growing population of kids yeah. and young people, an increasing number of people choosing to stay in the inner west rather than moving it further out to the suburbs once their kids got a little bit bigger.
0: Yeah
1: and that it was incumbent upon the council to provide new facilities. Mm-hmm. So we in the in my first term as mayor of Leichhardt, we opened three new grounds within Callum Park. Well, wow. the the Glover Street grounds and the the Balmain Road ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the in truth the problems just gotten worse over time. Really? By, by which I mean the the capacity constraints on grounds, the pressure on clubs because of the the great influx of women and girls in particular. Yeah. yeah. That problem is as important now as it was before. Yep. And uh it's a huge part of of the of what the council needs to deal with now. We need to we need to provide the facilities mm-hmm. to make sure that no child is turned away from the health and social benefits of participation in sport. Yeah, brilliant. Back going back to yeah, your involvement
0: with in LyCAD Council, uh, I just wanted to ask you, did you have a soft spot? Uh, for the Italian national team during the major tournaments. Where where are they? Do you remember those celebrations during... Former World Cups and Euros, and they all congregate in Norton Street. Where are they now? I don't see them now.
1: Well, look, in and truth, like a lot of people, I always found the diving and the falling <laughs> over from the <laughs> Italian national team a bit much, Yeah. especially if you were cheering for the Socceroos because yeah. a, the, the Australian style was more robust. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I think we all remember a, a couple of incidences right. where we uh, we missed out on World yeah. Cup glory because of diving. Yeah. So, But having said that, yeah. uh, I, I'd love to see the, um, the days of of... Uh, the Italian diaspora flooding into Norton Street at night to watch the football. I'd love to see yeah. that come back. That was yeah. a huge part of the attraction. It was huge. Street.
0: I remember in the nineties, and yeah, it's just you don't probably see it as often, do you?
1: When I was um, when I was mayor of Leichhardt, we had the mm. opportunity to bring Fabio Cannavaro. Yeah, that's right. Out to Norton wow. Street. He was coming to Australia anyway, uh, which came to my attention, and we managed to get an invitation to him,
0: captain of the World Cup winning team. yeah. That's
1: right. Sure. And we closed off Norton Street and invited all of the fans to come down. And you know, crazy. Uh, there was a big crowd that turned up and that, that was a, yeah. That was probably the last time that Norton Street was closed off for an Italian soccer That's event. Right.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Now, fast forward um, some great upgrades uh, re- or announcements recently. Uh, tell us about the $2 million upgrade of uh, Waterfront Drive Sporting Fields in Callum Park.
1: Well, Balmain District Football Club, uh, as you know, one of the largest sporting clubs in Australia. They've yep. just been going gangbusters mm. and the, the ground in, at, at um, Callum Park was in poor condition. Mm. As Mayor of Leichhardt, I allocated funds to do a, a proper upgrade, a new surface, new irrigation, new lighting. Yeah. Unfortunately, we were then sacked uh, because the councils were amalgamated course, and yeah. we were removed from office wow. and the project got delayed um, by the New South Wales Government. So I was very pleased when last year we were able to finally get it done Yeah. and that the pitch is in much better condition now. Oh, it's terrific. Yeah. And uh, for the first time we're seeing weekday evening training Mm. and games because there's proper lighting, lighting that's been installed. So the capacity's grown yep. a great deal. So that was a good investment. That's brilliant.
0: And then the other one I think you've just recently announced, I know it just went through uh, Council, uh, there's uh, also a $2 million funding I believe for synthetic sports surface construction at Tempe Reserve and Leichhardt Oval Number 2. That, that's really just a new – it's a new development, isn't
1: it? I, I have learned a lot from the football community and the advocacy that um, that I've been aware of around the need for synthetic surfaces mm. so I think a lot of people don't understand why they are important mm. but if you're running a football club and you want to get um, you want to get more kids playing yep. you can either come up with new open space where new yep. fields can be built or you can get greater intensification of use yeah. of the existing fields yeah and the best way to do that is through selectively picking some locations where you can has have synthetic surfaces. Yep. And we know that by installing a synthetic surface, you essentially more than double the use of the ground. Mm. So we want to get to a stage not just at Tempe and Leichhardt Number 2 but some other locations around the inner west where we've Mm -hmm. got these sorts of facilities that could be used for weekday afternoon training Mm -hmm. and then deep into the evening being used for six-a-side competitions. Mm. Uh, That's something that we might be able to partner with the CDSFA on. And then being used round the clock over the weekend – yeah. So for, for, for games and so on. And one of the most important parts of that equation mm. is we've got this huge influx of women and girls mm-hmm. because they have not traditionally had a place um, within the clubs yeah. and the bookings have all been taken up by men and boys, mm. it really is a gender issue. Mm. If we don't come up with new facilities then we're not creating the space for those yeah. women and girls to be able to play so yeah. I, I can't think of a more important challenge for the council to address and that's why we want to work with the sports community to deliver mm. these new facilities. Mm. How do you find uh,
0: football or you, you, what's, yeah, in terms of the footprint, football footprint within Inner West Council uh, and then working with other sports because that's always a challenge, isn't it?
1: I think it's important that we keep the whole sporting community united. Yeah, absolutely. We need new facilities that are used by multiple codes. Yep. There's no point in building a, a pitch that can only be used by one sport. Yeah. Especially in the inner west where we've got so little open space. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not going to change. We're mm-hmm. not going to be given new um new parklands anytime oh. soon. So we've yep. got to be smart about the way we invest in facilities. Mm-hmm. And what I've found by and large is that um, people from all codes and clubs recognize that the reason they're volunteering their time is because they're really concerned about the health and welfare of local kids. Mm. It doesn't matter what sport they're playing or which club they're playing for. Yep. It's the participation that matters. Absolutely. And so I, I think it's important for us to uphold that principle, stick together mm. and get the resources that the supporting community needs. Fantastic.
0: Uh, what other, I mean, again, a lot of businesses uh, that they model themselves or business people model themselves on are local, international um, I guess best practice. Do you sort of model, you find yourself modeling other, other mayors or other councils locally outside Sydney or internationally? Or, or do you think we're, we're up there with the best?
1: Uh, well, I do, I do think it's important for the Inner West Council to set a goal of being the best local government in sure. Australia. Yep. We had Leichhardt, Ashfield, and Marrickville councils which were forcibly merged. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that we were happy about, but we've, mm. you know, we've been given lemons, we've got to make lemonade. So we've got, to, we've got to try and set high standards for the Inner West Council in mm. terms of personal um, um, mentors or role models. I, I spent a lot of time working professionally for Anthony Albanese mm. um, until um, not very long ago. And so I've had a, a, a long-term um, political relationship with him and I, I think one of the things that people really respect about Anthony, both in the Inner West and across the country, mm. is that he's, he's a straight shooter. Yeah. He's a strong advocate sure. for for his community and for the causes that he believes in, but he's also respected across the political spectrum because he's willing to engage with people who have different views. Yeah. And to be straight with them. Um so that's one lesson that I've tried to to draw upon and sort of base my conduct conduct upon. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Is Anthony uh, I know he's but he's a supporter of Margeville FC, is he?
1: Do you know? Well, <laughs> he, yeah, he's his boy Nathan played yeah. at, at the Red Devils. Yeah. And in truth, that most of the money that we've had in the inner west from the federal government um, during uh, the last 30 years for sporting infrastructure came at the time that Anthony was the infrastructure minister. Wow, fantastic. So we we need to get – we've seen a few few instances recently of state (laughs) and federal governments not giving out money based on merit and need but based on political calculation, and that really hurts us in the inner west because – the, the the Morrison government doesn't see a political interest in investing yeah. here.
0: You just explore that because I know again you've had some great wins. Um, other neighbouring councils also have had some great wins recently with you know getting upgrades or funding. Just tell us, for because there are of community members or members of our association who then complain and say, well look, what do we need to do? How do we um, sort of get either councillors or um, definitely uh, politicians on on board? Can you tell us the process, for example, the recent example with Yeah, what was involved there? Because obviously yeah, there needs to be some work by the clubs as well, right?
1: I think the most important thing is that the clubs and the CDSFA are much more effective advocates than the council for attracting right. state and federal funding. So yep. we've got to do things in partnership. Yeah. Um, and the other issue that we have to confront is mm. for far too long there's been a lot of investment in the top end of sport, mm. in elite sport. Yeah and the grassroots has been left to wither. Mm-hmm. That's just wrong. Mm. We, we need to see uh, investment in sporting infrastructure as a public health initiative. Yeah. There's nothing more important for public health than maximising the number of kids who are participating in sport from the earliest age. Mm. So it's nice to have new stadiums. I'm mm. not opposed to that. No. But it's not more important, and it should never come at the cost of investment yeah. in, in local grounds... Yeah. that enable the, the largest number of kids to benefit. Yeah. Were you involved in
0: any negotiation or, or partnership when Sydney FC have been trying to play at home at Leichhardt Oval, for instance? Is that, Have you been involved in that?
1: Yeah, no, I worked very closely with Danny mm. Townsend to mm. try to make sure that they would play games at Leichhardt Yeah, because I knew that people would get a big buzz out of it. Mm. And we want Leichhardt to be a, a multi-code facility. Yeah. Obviously it will always be the spiritual home of the of the West Tigers mm. But if you want to attract state and federal funding for grounds like that, you can't just be playing one sport. No. And what's been happening at Leichhardt over the last couple of years is because mm. we have invested heavily in the quality of the pitch yeah. and improving the amenities, Where it's going gangbusters. We're attracting so much content there.
0: Yeah. Women
1: and men's um, elite... Rugby Union, Rugby League and football. Um, The Matildas have played there a number of Mm. times. Mm. When international sides come to Australia for a tour, they often train and base their operation out of Leichhardt Oval. Mm -hmm. So we want to continue to take that to the next level as well. Fantastic. Uh,
0: There was a lot of excitement and then COVID-19 came along um, before the start of the season. How has that impacted, I guess, your your work first of all and then um, the demand from, from obviously other codes like football?
1: I, I was very concerned at the start of the, mm. the lockdown and the crisis mm. that we could lose local sporting clubs Absolutely. because of the financial implications and the logistical strain that the, the lockdown would impose. Mm. It seems at this stage as though that's not the case. Yep. And I think the clubs, all clubs, have played a really important role in staying in contact with their members yeah. and keeping parents engaged. Yep. And the most important thing now is if we can get kids back out on the pitch. Sure. The, um, that'll be such a relief for the kids. Yeah, a big mental health benefit, mm. um, and it, it's just really important. You don't realise until it's taken away how big a part that is of their lives. Sure, and yep. uh, we need to make sure we get that right.
0: Yeah. Have you actually just curious? Have you played, uh, continued to play football at all, even socially?
1: Yeah, not really. <laughs> I, I go and have a kick at the park. Right. I've got an eight-year-old and a four. I've got an eight-year-old daughter and a four-year-old daughter. The four-year-old's about to start. Um, football this year. Well, hello. And, uh, but no, look, the truth is politics doesn't leave a lot it's of hard, time sure. for um, other organised commitments. Sure. And also my hamstrings are just buggered. Oh, I was going to say, so you, I,
0: you I, don't want to do a John Sadotti. remember that one, apartment
1: house? <laughs> no, you want to avoid that, don't you? I wasn't <laughs> even going to mention that. <laughs> I did watch it a few times on the internet. That's a classic, took a classic. classic. I say yeah. that as as a friend of John, man, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. someone who has a lot of regard for him. Yeah, uh, But, yeah, no, I'd like to avoid that. But mostly my um, every time I go to stretch out, I yeah. get a twinge in my hamstrings and it's not Is worth the right? damage. It's not
0: worth it. Yeah,
1: fantastic. Just get on the PlayStation. Uh, the positive thing, again, we, we saw
0: on social media was uh, the work with Craig Foster recently. You want to tell us about that?
1: Well, Craig reached out to me and mm. I, I'd been coordinating a number of the local um, charities and NGOs mm. uh, when the, the crisis descended upon us because mm-hmm. – obviously food security and social isolation were going to be two big challenges. We're yeah. telling people over 70 that they had to stay in their homes yep. and there are a lot of people who were losing work. Mm-hmm. And so that that coordination, making sure that uh, there were volunteers who were able to take meals to people's homes, yep. to check in on older, older people or people living alone in their street, mm. was important work. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Craig appeared um, and did a lot of terrific work mm. with – with Addison Road Community mm-hmm. Centre mm-hmm. and then launched the the national um, Play for Lives, Not Points campaign. And I thought the principle was a really clever one. Mm. You've got this enormous volunteer net network, that is the sporting community in Australia. They're people who by definition have a sense of community and compassion for others because they're mm-hmm. already volunteering their time. Mm-hmm. So now's the best time to mobilise them to assist people who are really doing it tough. Yeah. And that has certainly already been happening and, and we don't know where this crisis will go yeah. or how bad, how deep the recession might get and I think yeah. that mobilisation of the sporting community is something that's worth pursuing. Mm, mm.
0: That's fantastic. One of the things, one of the big issues that we've been talking about at the City of is emerging communities and there is a automatic presumption that they're all out west. Do you want to give us an indication because I know for a fact there are some in the inner west. Yep. Uh, are you finding that are you finding that the need to really uh, support these emerging communities in the within the inner west uh,
1: well obviously the inner west footprint. is less yeah. ethnically diverse than it once was sure. The inner west was essentially the birthplace of Australian multiculturalism mm. Mm. so for the the greek mm. italian uh, Italian Portuguese mm. and Vietnamese diasporas mm. um this is really the place where a lot of their community landed in the first instance, yeah. As we've seen, the community gentrify; it's mm-hmm. become less ethnically diverse. Mm-hmm. But we do; it is still a very, um, a very mixed place with people Absolutely. from every continent on earth living yeah. li- living together in a relationship of mutual respect. Mm-hmm. And we do also have emerging communities. So the Chinese community obviously has been growing very quickly. Mm-hmm. There's a big Bangladeshi population yes. here, um, a- and in addition to that, we still have a, a lot of people from. Um, refugee and asylum seeker backgrounds Mm. who are connected Mm. to the inner west community Mm. football has always been the way that um newly arrived migrants have been able to get involved immediately in the local community yep that hasn't changed and it's just as important as ever fantastic
0: the future of football within the inner west council what do you think that
1: looks like i want us to have best practice for the nation Mm -hmm. in terms of the facilities that we provide to the local community, but I also want there to be a much deeper partnership between mm. the NOS Council and the sporting community. Mm-hmm. For example, if we're looking to get positive um, health or social messages, if we were mm-hmm. looking to do respectful relationships training with local kids and teenagers, yeah, you know, the council could run a workshop on that, mm. or we could go to the people who are already engaged mm-hmm. with the entire um, youth population, yeah. And partner together mm-hmm. um, in order to undertake that sort of programming. So I think there's a there's a much deeper relationship that we can establish. We've yeah. we've created an office of sport mm. within the council. Yeah. Carla Stacey is the the person who's coordinating that. She's a terrific officer, mm-hmm. and the focus of that is we want to move beyond just ground allocation mm. to look at what can the council and the sporting community do together to get more people with disabilities, more people from non English speaking backgrounds more Aboriginal people, more women and girls yeah. involved in sport mm-hmm. and how can we broaden our partnership to address a whole range of social ills as well. So mm. we've taken an important step in that direction but there's a long way to go. It's a long way to go, yeah. Look, one of the
0: big issues, I know you, you were quite vocal about this last year was um, poor behaviour and that, that, that's something we're trying to curb as well, you know, verbal abuse, physical assault, et cetera, towards players, coaches and managers. Uh, you, you held a forum there, I believe, last year. What yep. were the outcomes from that?
1: Well, uh, I tell you, my personal experience of this was I was playing one day for um, I've forgotten which team I was playing for at the time but my mum was on the sideline right? and I must have um, yelled at the referee or made some disparaging remark and she came onto the field and said to me that if I didn't stop speaking to the referee that way that she would take me off the field. Wow. And I still remember that pretty distinctly. Yeah. And once you're a parent yourself, obviously, you understand that teaching your kids respect. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, for other people is your most important job. Mm. So it's, it is very disappointing that yeah. in this day and age you guys are still having to grapple with abusive referees, yeah. disrespectful conduct from parents, mm. from adults mm. um, in front of kids mm-hmm. and we, we've, we just have to stamp that out. I think yeah. the the role that the football community played in anti-racism campaigns has been very important. Mm. But respectful behaviour generally has to be non-negotiable, yeah. and if that's one of the things that kids learn through their yeah. involvement in their local soccer club, then that's a great life lesson. Yeah, fantastic.
0: What are the key lessons I guess that you've learned so far during your time as mayor and your involvement with the city's of faith?
1: Well, I think the more you can um, engage deeply with the community, yep, then the more effective the council can be. So mm-hmm. there's not much point sitting up in the in the council chamber making decisions that are separated from the actual needs of the community. Mm. If you get out and you you build personal relationships with people from all different parts of the community, not just sport, but all of the other sectors, Mm. you can learn a lot. Yeah, And you discover what the challenges really are. Mm-hmm. And that enables you then to go and try and devise solutions at the council and to deliver funding that's needed to address those problems. Yeah. So that's, that's the key thing. I think the deeper the relationship is between the elected representatives mm. and the volunteers in the sporting community, mm. then the better outcomes we'll get.
0: That's brilliant. Now, hopefully we're not going to jinx this because by the time this gets broadcast tomorrow, which is today's Wednesday – on Thursday, we find out if the uh, Australia New Zealand uh, will have the right, earn the right to host the Women's World Cup. Now, hopefully, if we get that, um, then Sydney will be hosting a number of games. You'll be pushing for a number of uh, home games within the Inner West.
1: Absolutely. I don't mm. know if Leichhardt Oval will qualify for <laughs> su- su- such an illustrious, <laughs> yeah. uh, alu- illustrious competition, although I'm sure that they would end up making use of the facility for, um, for training and preparation and so on. Mm. Just before the lockdown, we saw 93,000 people attend the MCG for the Women's World Cup, Cricket World Cup final. Cricket, yeah. I thought that was a real breakthrough moment. Uh, we, we've seen this explosion of women and girls' participation in sport. Mm. The Matildas have been at the very forefront of that. My yeah. kids were asking me just the other day, oh, who's better, the, the men's team or the women's <laughs> team in, in soccer? Yeah. I said, oh, the women's team. Yeah, absolutely. I think <laughs> because so. they're yeah. at the very, sure. the very elite end. Mm. So that's such an exciting development and we're only yeah. just at the – we're not – remotely even at the crest of that wave, yeah, it's just starting to take off. And yeah. we um, we need to do everything we can to encourage that. Yeah, We've got to have an ambition yeah. that we will have equal participation of women and girls with boys and men yeah. in sport across the board yeah. and we've got to do something about the totally um, inadequate and unequal payment and treatment of elite women's sport in sure. comparison as
0: well. Sensational. You've been brilliant, uh, Darcy. Thanks very much for your time. Uh, I guess one final question for you is if you had one wish, uh, it could be one for the council, or one, one for football, what would it be?
1: I, just, I would really like us to get to the stage where our, our facilities, our playing fields were of such a standard and in such plentiful supply mm. we don't have any kids missing out. Um, and I think if we, if we can get to that stage, then that will mean that there's this really positive long-term le- legacy for the kids who are coming through the inner west now, and they'll they'll be better ad- adults as a result. Fantastic. Thanks very much. Thanks very much for your time. See you on the field. Absolutely. Soon, eh? Thank
0: you.